This is episode 70 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm talking with Carrie Lukasiewicz. Carrie is the award-winning author of the middle grade slash young adult novel series, Oak Lane Stable Adventures. She has a BFA from Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design and an MA in Creative Writing and Literature from Mount Mary University. She recently won the 2020 Lake Fly Writers Contest for Flash Fiction, was a semifinalist in the 2020 Bethlehem Writers Short Story Award, is the recipient of a 2021 residency at Right on Door County, and was the 2019 Hell Prize winner for nonfiction. Carrie was born horse crazy, an animal lover, and a book devotee. She owned two ponies as a child, showed in 4-H, worked as a showgroom rider and riding teacher for 200 jumper stables, and recently volunteered at a therapy stable. She lives with her husband on her family's Wisconsin farm, where she grew up surrounded by her family of six, an assortment of beloved pets, and the natural beauty of the Kettle Moraine. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast Show. I'm Carly Cade, and today I am so excited to have fellow author Carrie Lukasovitz on the show with me today. Hi, Carrie. Welcome. Hi, Carly. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. It is fun. And so, and Carrie is, is just such a wonderful person because we had some technical dif- difficulty the first time we tried connecting. Uh, she lives somewhere rather remote. So the internet connection was pretty intermittent. So now she is sitting in her local library. They've given her a room that she could reserve so we can have a great conversation without any technical difficulties. So mm-hmm. thank you for doing that, Carrie. So we sure, can talk absolutely. Today. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> So there's always something, right, with technology, of course, but, but of there's course. always a workaround. You just have to stay patient That's, and figure out mm-hmm. the way to do it. The way I love to always start these interviews off is because we're all horse lovers here. We all love to write books about them and read books about them. So Carrie, can you tell us how your love affair with horses began? It began when I was born. It was just something that I always... Um, I always just loved. I just knew from the time I could walk that I just really loved horses. I think it was probably the second word or the third word I learned, you know, mom, dad, horse. But I really, I had, I haven't ever had a fear of them. And so I just, anything, puzzles, books, anything. Um, I sort of had this plastic horse that was on springs that I think was pretty popular back then. And I would sit on that. My mom could do anything in the house because she knew I would just sit on the horse and, and ride this horse um, until she had to take me off that to make, you know, lunch or something like that. And I would just have such a, a fit to try to, you know, I didn't want to get off of it. So I knew at some point that um, I was probably going to be um, involved with them in a much more um, professional manner than just, you know, loving them kind of thing. So I never, ever outgrown my horse phase, as my parents called it. 
Yeah, I, I think you just described a lot of people's journey and just sort of pop out of the womb loving horses. And then you yep. have to have the puzzles, the bags, the wardrobe, the briar horses, everything that oh. goes into that. And I love that you brought up like the the horse on the springs. I had mm -hmm. that too. It was a Palomino, mm -hmm. like a plastic Palomino. And then on the four black. corners were springs <laughs> yep. and you could yep. bounce on it. Oh my gosh. I don't even know if they still make those, but that's I awesome. So they're probably really dangerous or something too, but we sure. didn't care. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, I was so mad when I outgrew it because I kept loved it. And I had this little pair of cowboy boots that were beautiful. But when I outgrew them, I had to give them to my younger brother. And I cried because they didn't fit anymore. Oh my. So, yeah. I know. That's so, so funny. I, I can totally associate with that. And then, so the love was there immediately. You're, you know, Absolutely. Yep. Now, did you wind up having a horse in your life as a young woman or as an adult? Like how, did horses, like the real thing come into your life at some point? They did when I was, I think in fourth grade, um, because my mom really loved animals. And we actually moved to a farm that had 10 acres. It was an old dairy farm. And, um, when I was in fourth grade, I, I must've just said, I would really love a pony. And my mother, you know, went out and bought a pony. I think it was like $15, the best little Shetland pony. His name was Briggs. And we were really lucky because he was absolutely sweet. He didn't like men, but that was because he had foundered. And every time the vet would come, they'd twist his ear to give him the shots and stuff. And so he never really liked guys, but I loved him. Mm. And I hated to outgrow him. And then I got a second pony when I was in eighth grade, who was a half Arab, half Welsh pony, who was very strong when he would get very conditioned, uh, ran away with me twice, dumped me in the middle of a croquet game, <laughs> and, and ran through the neighbor's um, uh, prize flowers. He would show flowers. And so my pony could just ran right through the flowers. He this neighbors like yelling at me stop your pony or you know get them under control I'm like I would if I could kind of thing so and then I had some neighbors the area where I live I had a lot of people with horses and I actually was able to show one of the neighbors horses in 4-H and then high school happened and you know sort of life started changing and I eventually went to work at a hunter jumper stable here in Wisconsin and I was there for I think almost four years and then moved to Texas also doing um, hunter jumper barns and then just kind of burnt out after five years of 90 hour weekdays and I sort of stepped back from it a bit but eventually every so often on and off I would train and um, teach lessons and so forth and then I volunteered at a uh, therapy stable a couple of years ago maybe four years and just to have a horse fix and just to go and groom and tack up and smell like horse when I came home the cat you know love that but <laughs> but uh, I haven't had a horse you know for a while so mm. yeah mm -hmm. it sounds like it has been a consistent thread from your through your entire life and, oh, sure. and 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 you're still getting your horse fix which is so great and it's something mm -hmm. that non-horse people will never understand nope. mm -hmm. a the runaway horse <laughs> Yes. <laughs> which I can totally associate with. More than once, yes. <laughs> and B, the smell of horses the on horse. your clothing when you come home yep. and that satisfaction, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and and then your love of horses sort of brought you to around to your author career. So mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about what led you to the author's life? Like, why do you write? Like, where did this come from? I've always loved books. I mean, I have been a voracious reader since I was maybe four years old when I would beg my mother to please teach me how to read. I just love books. And so I love stories. And 
I was given a diary by my aunt when I was 10 years old, which I wrote in for a little while until my older brother insisted on pretending to be a detective. And he would find my diary and take a bobby pin and actually pick the lock. And so I learned at an early age that I really, you know, you couldn't be honest about your writing in a way because somebody could find it and it could get you in trouble. I, at that time, I also read um, Harriet the Spy. I've forgotten the author's name, but she, I love that book. But she got into a lot of trouble when she would make her notes in her notebook. So I think in a way I put it aside for a while. And then eventually I sort of went off and became uh, an interior designer. And in 2008, when everything sort of tanked for the economy in the United States, I lost my job. It was a very lucrative job. And as much as I tried to find another one, it just, I mean, the whole country was just kind of going crazy. And so at the time, and even maybe a year before that, I started to notice writing books sort of appearing on my bookshelves, mm-hmm. you know, The Sound of Paper by Julia Cameron or her The Right to Write or Natalie Goldberg, you know, suddenly all these books are on the shelf. I'm like, hmm, I thought I was going to be an architect and go to grad school for that. And pretty soon I just, I don't know, I just was sort of pulled toward going to graduate school to do writing. And I was originally going to go for journalism mm-hmm. as I love pe- memoirs and people's stories. I just are fascinated with it. But I immediately veered off to write novels. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I'm going to write a novel. So I just really sort of went off in that creative writing where I studied literature and novel um, workshops. So that is cool. I mean, it's mm-hmm. almost like I was meant to do it. I yeah. trust me, it was a calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That is like, that is a really neat story. Mm-hmm. And then so this is a great opportunity for you to, you know, tell us about your Oak Lane Stable Adventures horse book series. Like where did the inspiration for writing that come from? Obviously, I think it started with the springy, the springy horse that you had when you were a little girl. But talk to us about your, your horse book series. Right. So I have two of them. So Mystery Horse, so I don't want to do this too fast. This is actually his second cover. He's being redone, which is really exciting. So I started uh, Mystery Horse in graduate school. He was a 20-page homework assignment. And I, how am I supposed to write um, a novel? I've never done this before. It was only my second semester in school. Mm. And I had two novel classes. I was told not to do that. But of course, I thought I'm there right, so why not take two novel classes, right? So I, I kept one as an adult novel class, and then the other one I they had a, a writing for middle grade and young adult readers, which I loved. And the whole time I was in school, I was more attracted to writing for children, and uh, so I took all the classes I could with that. Hmm. So Mystery Horse is actually a middle grade. The the, the series is a middle grade uh, young adult um, stories now. I didn't know what to do. And so my teacher's like, or the professor's like, just go ahead and choose something that you might be interested in or, you know, something you have some, some knowledge about. So I thought, well, I'm just going to write horses about horses. I had to have 20 pages done in like two weeks and I had 14 to hand in. I had a story and I didn't like where it was going. It seemed to me in 14 pages that I actually wrote myself into a corner. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this is, what I'm doing. I don't understand this. So 
I talked with my teacher about it and she said, what is going on with you? And I said, I think I'm having problems because the emotions that I had from working around horses, because not all of it, as you know, is wonderful. Mm-hmm. It is not always positive. And so I think this is blocking what I wanted to really write about. And so she talked about, we talked about just relaxing and just, you know, just trying to write something. And I began to understand that the story I tried to write was not the one that I wanted to write. And that actually mystery horse was the true story that I needed to write. And so that's, that's good noticing. That's really, I mean, and it, and you had support, you had a, a right. Absolutely. Talk to Mm -hmm. about where you felt blocked because creative mm-hmm. writing does bring up a lot of oh lot yes of, even if it's fiction right because we write from right we write from mm-hmm. it's not truth but we write from personal experience and that right is everything we do so so she 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 coached you through a blockage that actually helped you get onto the right track and mm-hmm. actually complete this novel so right. talk to us a little bit about how you shook that loose and 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 then what happened right like you finished it Right, but it was a while. It, it took me a while because we needed only 40 pages for um, that first semester. Mm-hmm. And I finished that and I did a lot of editing. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that when I sat down to really write the story, I had more than 20 pages within like two hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just sort of came through. And so I worked on the book through school and I used it as my thesis. I got about, mm, I had maybe 80 pages, almost 100 pages. And it's actually almost a 300 page book, 200 page. So I didn't have it finished out of school, but I had you know, a really good start on it. And so I put it away for a little while because I'm like, I've graduated and life sort of took over. And a short while later, I'm not sure if it was exactly a year later, but they, the school actually had a publishing institute where they invited agents and editors and just had this really great day of being able to learn a little bit more about the publishing side of of writing anything. So I was told by my professor, same one, she said, just go ahead and pitch that, even though it wasn't done. I had five chapters done. And so I thought, well, okay, I'm just going to practice this. And so I met with one of the agents for, you know, we're times six minutes. She's from Chicago. And she said, you know, my little pitch that I wrote on a piece of paper was probably pretty awful too, but she was very good sport about stuff, knowing that we were doing this for like a first time. And um, so I pitched it to her and she said, we love horror stories. And I'm like, oh my gosh, really? I was like so excited. And my knees were like jello when I walked out of the room. I'm like, my God, she wants to see it. And so I said to her, oh, you'll probably want to see the first three chapters. She goes, no, she says, I'd like to see the first five chapters. I'm like, oh, I've got five chapters done. So after that, I sent her the five chapters and I sat down and in 10 days, I finished the novel because I knew that if she wanted to (laughs) read the rest of it, I had to have it done. And I was so excited. And of course it was going to need to be edited. I mean, nothing is out, but I was amazed at how quickly the story just came through. And and that's something you have to learn as a writer too. You have to sort of get out of your own way and just Mm. let that flow. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was about Thanksgiving. I emailed her just to follow up with her and I didn't hear back from her. And so I, but I got the message, you know, I'm out for the holidays, you know, be back, you know, November 7th or something. So I waited even a little bit more just to be polite. And then I emailed again. And I never heard from her again. 
Oh my goodness. I know. I know, but here I was thinking, oh my God, this is so easy. Everybody complains about this. Okay, so the next two years, I had nothing but rejections. Rejection, rejection, rejection. And on one day, and I was very good about you know, researching the agents that I sent it to. I would look for agents who liked horses or who were definitely middle grade and, and young adult, because not all. I mean, they're very specific about what they, who they want to represent. Mm-hmm. And so on one day, I received five rejections on it in within two hours. Oh my goodness. I'm like, I was so, I felt so badly for the story that I'm like, is it so bad? Is it so horrible? So I put it away for almost a year. Mm-hmm. I refused to send it out. And I thought this is just ridiculous. And I'm, on a whim, I ended up going to a writing conference and I met with a publisher who was giving a, a, a breakout session about hybrid publishing. And I liked their presentation and I thought, hmm, maybe, maybe I'll send it because they really like children's work. Mm. So about two weeks after him and in hall, I'm like, well, I think I'll just, just send it to them. So I sent it to them and within maybe 10 hours, maybe not, I don't even think it was 12 hours. They wrote back and said, we love this. We want to publish it. Wow. Oh my gosh. So that's been that's mm-hmm. a lot to unpack. That was a quite a journey around this, Absolutely. this, this first story. So you, so a couple things, what were they saying when you were getting those rejection letters? Because I often hear that when uh, equestrian authors with horse books are, are mm-hmm. querying agents or traditional publishers, often the response is it's too niche. Right. So, so the in letters of rejection are not uncommon. It happens to everyone mm-hmm. just for those. Oh, absolutely. And, and you ha- and what you showed was persistence. Like mm-hmm. you sat on it for a little while, but th- this book, this whole thing, I think had a path for you that was kind of oh, yes. you to the right place. And even mm-hmm. though you did put it away, something kept showing up that like re-triggered the, the spark around this book and sort of put you on the right path to where it was supposed to, to wind up. So just to unpack that, how did you handle those rejection letters and, and sort of what was their why, right? And mm-hmm. then and then you ended up going the traditional publishing route. So let's talk about how you felt when you actually got that book deal, you know, like finally after all of this, it, it's going somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. It, it's very frustrating. It's something, you, you have a question that um, in the list about, you know, what is the hardest part about being an author? Mm-hmm. And that's really the dealing with the frustrations. Mm-hmm. Because when you are first getting into being a writer, you have the inspiration, you want to just do all this writing. But when you start getting into more of the business aspect of it, and really learning about what you need to do in order to be an author, it, those rejections can be frustrating. At first, of course, you're like, well, this is perfect. You know, why are you rejecting this kind of thing, which is really silly. And that's also very naive. But you learn. And I, I didn't ever have a bad rejection. I always had people who were, they would just say, you know, I'm, this isn't something I'm doing right now. I'm working on something else, maybe at a different time. I did actually have, there was an agent who was interested in it. And she said that she didn't like where it started. She said that it really needed to start maybe three pages in. And so I agreed with her because I took it out and it seemed to flow a little bit better. I sort of reworked it a little bit, but again, she still passed on it. And then I also presented it to a small press, a small traditional press, and he liked it. He wanted, he was, he only did middle grade uh, historical work because this does take place in 1975. 
the second book, Gray Horse, takes place in 1976, and then the third book will take place in 1977. So he was really interested in it, except he unfortunately got ill and mm. you know was not able to uh, going forward with publishing. Mm -hmm. And um, so you have to keep going. I mean, anybody who is a young writer and you know, I have this idea that, you know, I'm just going to keep going. I'm a very tough person. We've been around horses. It is a, you know, it is tough. You, not all horses behave themselves. Um, not all people behave themselves. You know, it's just, it's kind of a, you learn to get very sort of thick skinned and strong and you have to be persistent with writing. And at the time that I, you know, was trying to get the book published, I was still writing smaller pieces, you know, shorter nonfiction and fiction pieces. So that I was always writing and doing something. Mm -hmm. I would send those to contests. And, you know, you have to keep going. You just have to keep just pushing and trying and, and doing what you can to be around maybe other writers, try mm -hmm. conferences and stuff so that you, you start building your skill set mm -hmm. and you start learning about what is, you know, wonderful, this great writing versus putting something down thinking this is done when it really isn't, you know, you need to really, it, it needs to be critiqued by other people. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what you're speaking to is, you know, always while you, while you've got a book finished, be practicing your craft and have other projects going on. Exactly. Mm -hmm. but, then, but then also like the thick skin side of it is, is more like, you know, I think as creatives, we kind of into the world in the beginning, kind of mm -hmm. fragile, right? Very. Yep. And you don't, then, we get it. Yeah, we don't believe in ourselves, but and but then but then you but you know you have a story to share, mm -hmm. and the persistence actually it does toughen you up. But I think what it really does is it helps you solidly believe in what in yourself. you yeah. want to be up to in the world and in yourself. Yeah. So I, and I I feel like my progression has been a little bit like that too. Like at first you're like uncertain and and careful and a little shy about your writing, but then you're like, I really have a story to tell. And you just keep educating yourself and taking one exactly. step and going mm -hmm. to other conferences and meeting new people and having conversations. And, and then you get more and more inspired. And then it's like, I'm just doing this. And you jump on the train and it's like a bullet. <laughs> kind of. And it is really. Absolutely. Because I think even like finding you, and that sometimes, you know, you try and you work so hard to do the right thing. We have to be doing this, this, and this, because this will lead us to this. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily going to, um, going to happen mm -hmm. in that order. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you have to let go and you have to sometimes just let things happen. Because I notice that when I don't force things, whether it's writing something or, you know, and anything, you know, presenting, um, like I have a picture book that I finished and I've been sending that out to two agents for the last, um, not quite a year yet, but I've had rejections on it. I've had some interest, but I've also had rejections, but you just kind of keep going and you keep trying because eventually, you know, cause not everybody says no. So that's yeah. right. And, and I think all those no's lead you to the right. Yes. Exactly. And I agree with that completely. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like with mystery horrors. I was really, I felt really bad the first year. So I have an indie publisher who is it's a hybrid publisher. So it's not traditional. We work together more as a team, but I didn't know anything because I knew I certainly wasn't. It was like, just self-publish it. And I'm like, I don't really know anything about it. And I think you really know, you need to know something about it. So, so I had somebody with me too. And after the first uh, couple of months, it did really well. It was around Christmas, you know, Everybody wants, you know, horsey gift and stuff like that for those little young horse lovers. So lo and behold, here's the second book. And I had started it. I had maybe 5,000 words. 
because I think the disappointment I had with the first book made me not want to really invest time in the second book. And especially the third book, everybody's like, that's got to be a trilogy kind of thing. And so I would him and haw about writing and I would start and stop, start and stop. And I won a significant writing contest last year. And it was a nonfiction piece, actually. And in a way that just suddenly just sort of sparked that, that renewal and just like, you know, I can't give up on this. I have to just keep going. I still only had, you know, 5,000 words, but I sat down in November and did the National Novel Writing. It's National Novel Writing Month. It happens every November, November 1st to November 30th, and you sign up for it online. And what's great is that you can connect with friends and other people who are writers and you help each other. You can set a uh, lim uh, limit what you want to write per day or just go for a, a, you know, an entire amount. I think it was 50,000 um, last year. Yeah, to, to complete NaNoWriMo, the goal is to write a 50,000 first right. draft of a, a novel. Of a and novel, then, right. And then the target words, I think, to hit that number is like uh, 1,636 words a day or something. A day kind of thing. Yeah. And so I, I had never done it before. I actually, you know, I just signed up for it. I'm like, I'm determined <laughs> to get this book done. And I found out because it was, I only had 5,000 words that instead of learning, like paying attention to only how many words I was getting a day, because I would do 200 some days, 2000 other days, you know, it was really, you know, sort of up and down. Mm -hmm. And I began to notice that it's not about my word count. It's actually about, I love how the story is starting to take place. Now, interesting enough, I actually was at another writing conference, the same writing conference that I had met the, the publisher for the hybrid publisher for the first mystery horse. So I, she was doing the, the attendees learn about pitching and I wasn't going to pitch the book. I wasn't going to pitch Gray Horse. I just wasn't. I'm just like, nah, I, you know, I, I only have 5,000 words. And I have a friend who is very, very good. And she goes, she just turned to me. She goes, do it. I mean, it was very firm. It was, and I'm like, okay, I'll go do it. So I went up to go sign up because you can only do it that morning. And she said, sign me up too if they have an opening. So I went up to go and see if there was anything available. And I saw that the sheet, the sign-up sheet was filled in. Because they had actually three people to actually do pitches to. Mm -hmm. And they're all, all filled in. And a woman sort of walked up to me and she goes, can I help you? And I said, oh, I said, I was going to sign up, you know, for a pitch session or whatever. But you, you know, it's already filled. And she goes, oh, she goes, well, no. She comes over, takes a pen, scratches out the top, the first two, the 9 o'clock and the 9.15 for uh, this other publisher. She scratches it out and she said, no. She goes, you have two openings right there. I said, okay, I'll take the first one and I'll take the second one. I know this, it, it gets even more interesting. So I thought, well, that was pretty interesting. So I had the first slot and I went and told my friend, I had the first slot and she had the second one because she wanted, she wanted to go after me. Mm -hmm. So I go and we, again, we're, we're timed like six minutes and I, um, I met the the publisher and she said i'm not taking authors she said i haven't been taking authors she said i'm only here just to help you learn about pitching i said oh okay that's fine and then we're talking she and i said well this book is actually written about my time and my experiences obviously fictionalized about being in a writing stable and being a show groom a writing teacher and a writer and she goes oh she goes i used to be a show groom and i said oh i said what farm and then 
She goes, she told me the name of the farm. And I looked at her and I, I said that owners. And I'm like, oh, I said, because I work there too. And she goes, oh my gosh. She goes, I just got goosebumps. And she <laughs> said, so, so we started talking about working at the horse farm. She was there a couple of years before I was there. So we already have this commonality. So she goes, you know, she goes, when you're done with that, she said, just send me that, just send me that manuscript. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. So I have somebody who now, you know, is, was a, she showed hunters and, you know, she's a horse person. And I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy. And so I went and told my friend that, you know, what had happened and stuff. And she went off to go do her pitch. And so I didn't have this novel done. So I'm not working on here. I have somebody who's waiting for this manuscript. And so finally in November, sitting down in, you know, national novel writing month, I'm like, I've got to do something. So I wrote most of Gray Horse, which is the second book um, in the, in the series. And it's the same characters. It is a series. They're a year older. You know, it was finished. I had edited everything. I sent it to her and she said, well, I'll get back. She got back to me like in two hours. She goes, I will be happy to, to read this over the weekend. She said, just make sure when you put in the subject line to name the stable. She said, I'll remember. And Saturday morning, I had an email from her. She said, I read it last night. She said, I couldn't put it down. She said, this is a great story. She said, I want to represent you and um, I have a contract for you. I know it's like, like that, that fairy tale. You're like, my God, like what? And so it happened so fast. And she's actually a traditional publisher. Wow. I mean, holy smokes. That's incredible. I mean, this is the, these are the stories, Mm -hmm. the magical stories that tend to happen a lot on creative paths as when you're persistent, somehow you get lined up with the right people at the right time. And I love that she was adamant that she's not taking any new I know authors authors, and then then that's again the thing it's the power of connections and community and building relationships with people and and that common ground I mean Mm -hmm. that's what you shared and that sort of opened the door so like be authentic with people share what you're all about and and exactly happen so okay before we go any further, because this is so raw with so much great information for authors about your author journey, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like fascinated by this story. But before we go any further, let listeners know what your book series is about and what message you hope that the, the series gets through, because your audience is like uh, middle grade. Is, is that right? Right. Like I wrote it for fifth to eighth graders, except I find that, um, adults like the books as Mm, well, Of course, because right. And so it starts out, mystery horse is about a horse that is rescued. So we have Cassie who is 12 years old. It's the summer between, uh, seventh grade and eighth grade where she and her best friends, Ingrid and Allison are horse crazy. And Cassie has always wanted a horse. And so the book is about her journey about getting a horse, except things don't go the way she does. And what's interesting too, is that I didn't know when I wrote this, what horse she'd end up with. I knew which horse she wouldn't end up with, but I didn't know. Instead of just having just the main plot, you know, we're taught to do subplots, you need to do twists, you need to have really interesting characters. So there's a lot going on. This book is not a cutesy book, maybe because there was a question too that uh, how is your book different than others? Mm. And even though it's middle grade and young adult for a young reader, they're not like cute horse books. It really deals with the realities in a stable and what a stable life is like. We don't always get what we want, but sometimes we always we'll always end up with what we need. Yes, so, I, love, I love that. That's mm-hmm. a great passage to have to mm-hmm. have in the story. So then the and then the rest of your series kind of 
does it follow the same characters? Yep. Okay. So, yep. t so tell yep. us a bit more about, about where you took the, the, the series and then is it stopping at a trilogy or are you going to keep going? Like, are okay, the characters you're still speaking to you? Okay. <laughs> now when you are <laughs> living your life and you suddenly have the fourth or the fifth person asking you, it's not going to be just a trilogy, is it? Because I've had it in the last couple of days. I cannot tell you. They're like, I have, I had somebody who was talking about, she loved Mystery Horse and she loved Gray Horse. Mm -hmm. She's like, you can't just stop there. And so I wrote her back and I said that it, I am working on the third book, Dark Horse. Mm -hmm. And I just had a, my friend yesterday who I've known since seventh grade, who my other horse friend, she said that this isn't just going to be a trilogy. So she goes, it, it has, there's more story here. So then you are talking about it. And then my publisher is like, this is going to be a really nice series. I'm like, well, I'm thinking just a trilogy. And she's like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> the sign. There's your sign. Don't ignore well, it. <laughs> well, the thing is, too, is that uh, with it, it so doesn't happen so often is that the new publisher is publishing the first book as well. She is publishing the series. I was able to get the rights back to the first book because she wants it. I actually, just before I came here, had the first proof to go back over Mr. Horse because I had the opportunity to actually change it. So, it the, so the whole series is now getting kind of like a facelift and now you're mm -hmm. going, is mm -hmm. this full on, you're going full on the traditional, traditionally published yep. route now. Yep. Okay. Now, now I'm, I am traditionally published. Yes. Um, which is exciting because it's a very different experience, even though she's mm -hmm. a small press, mm -hmm. but she's still, and plus she's also a horse person, mm -hmm. a horse lover. She's actually, I'm thinking she's really loving this because she can now, you know, sort of go back and we talk about horses and riding. She wants to ride again too. And mm -hmm. we're like, well, maybe we'll just get on and just walk around kind of thing. I'm like, no, I kind of want to ride more than just walking. So yes, so it's, I'm really excited about it because you have mystery horse and then gray horse picks up about seven months later. Mm. And I have started dark horse, uh, which is the third book. Again, that's maybe, maybe only five months from when gray horse stops. Oh, that's great. So, okay. Yeah. So there's lots of potential to follow her as she grows up. Apparently she's only four, she'll, she'll be 14 in the third book. So and now, again, I have to be aware of when I write it, because anybody who's young reading Mystery Horse still has to have the same language as she gets older. I can't just suddenly have them, you know, mm -hmm. do more adult things. You know, I can't um, suddenly surprise them with profanity and stuff like that. So it's yeah, something I yeah. have to be... <laughs> the kids probably not caring so much, but the parents probably so much. Yeah, That's right. You have to be cognizant of who is reading the book, even yeah. as your characters grow. That's... Mm -hmm. So, wow, you've had quite a ride so far. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm so proud of you because you prepared really well. I mean, you know what mm -hmm. questions I'm going to ask and you've answered mm -hmm. them already as we've gotten into, into this. How are you reaching your readers? And, and is like your new publisher kind of coming up with a marketing plan for you? Like how, so how is, how is this, how's your new relationship working? Like how's the, how's it being with the small press and, and how has it been different than what you've been doing before? I think I've been doing a lot more research myself. And even though I have a traditional uh, publisher, she's a small press. So it's not like I have a PR person, which would be really great because I'd probably get more writing done. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's very time consuming, very, very time consuming. But the more I learn about it, you know, it's part of it. You, you just have to get used to it because you're going to have to learn it and you're going to have to do it because otherwise you are not going to reach your readers. Mm -hmm. But I do that you know, through social media. I have had author visits. I have you know, had school uh, days where they want you know literacy and kids just love just absolutely love authors we are like 
these crazy celebrities who write books and they just, there's so much fun. Mm-hmm. I would love to actually go to horse shows mm-hmm. and because of the pandemic, you know, that certainly put a damper on that. I would really love to you know, have the opportunity to go and actually meet people. Be around a, a horse show would be just so terrible, wouldn't it? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> I, I, I do have a couple of stores, a couple of small stores here in town, uh, in, in the area that mm-hmm. really love local authors and artists. Uh, so they carry the books. And it, it's just learning about social media, but it's also learning about using it more effectively. I just redid my website. I mean, I had to redo it because I was frustrated trying to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody told me it was like, so 2005 and I'm like, okay. So I'm like, that's not that long ago, was it? So it really was, it, it was just not, I needed something that was clean, clear and consistent. And my domain just transferred, you know, Thursday night. So now that's up and I will have a news, a monthly, you know, just once a month newsletter, um, Mm -hmm. that I'll be able to offer, um, anybody who's interested Mm -hmm. and it's just about learning and growing about how to market yourself and your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because no one else is particularly going to do that for you unless you hire somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, my traditional publisher has different markets than my than the hybrid did. It's just she's been around a lot longer. Her father actually was a publisher as well, mm. so she sort of took over the business. Yeah, so she's got a lot of knowledge, and they just they just were two, they're just two different you know people. They have two different philosophies when it comes to publishing but I just really want to do a really good job because I really love the stories mm-hmm. and um, I really would love to share them with as many people. And I also have been geared more toward horse, mm-hmm. you know, books for horse lovers or, you know, being able to find you just on a whim, by the way, because I wanted to see what other authors who wrote horse books, what their websites looked like. And all of a sudden I'm like, Carly Kate. I'm like, this is kind of interesting. Oh. And so again, you just find things, just allow things to happen. So. That's awesome. And yeah, and I really like what you're saying there. It's it's do your research, educate yourself, take podcasts, you, classes. Yep. Yeah, there's so much information out there. There's a lot of really great podcasts. And that's mm-hmm. why I started this podcast too, to help specifically authors of horse mm-hmm. books mm-hmm. with learning from each other, right? Because when oh, we absolutely. all support each other, it, it's mm-hmm. it helps a lot. But there's a lot of great podcasts. There's tons of great books. There's, you know, just getting into conversations, going to conferences. But educating yourself is like really smart. And then always remember that writing is the number one important thing. Set that set that time aside for your writing. But you don't have to do it all either, right? It's like learn about something, bolt it on, learn about something else, bolt it on, and and do what you can manage. You know, I love that you said a monthly newsletter. That's enough, you know? And absolutely it is. It's an important thing to have. Because you have you have that connection to your readers, but is enough, you know. And you don't have to be on social media every single day, you know. But it's Mm-mm. but learning about these things so they're a resource for you. But then, right, doing only as much is enough because sometimes you can get so crazy trying to be everywhere at once that you're not that you're not writing right. And you know, mm-hmm. look at what really works for you. Look at really where your audience is, and go there. And and for you because you write in that middle grade. Uh, area you're probably trying to target the parents probably on social media grandparents and grandparents and then at these school events or the library events is probably where you're able to focus on um, on the children on the children yeah Yeah, Yeah. that's a whole different strategy right yeah I have 
some people though too that I've just able to you know they have their granddaughters mm. or their grandchildren and they're like you know they really love the uh, the stories and so you know they may purchase the book for them or not but you know it's been actually fun to have those uh, young fans who just I want that next book mm, so, that's like so okay wonderful but I can't do yes I, if you do social media too much then it really takes away from the writing time and well, and it's highly, highly, highly addictive. And some people can't mm-hmm. stop once they get in there. It's like they just no, go I can. a million <laughs> rabbit holes. I, I've read a bunch of books. Like one I highly recommend is Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. It, that mm-hmm. just like so opened my eyes about how terribly mm-hmm. addictive intentionally social media is. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like mm-hmm. such, such a time suck. Like I need to- It is. <laughs> But I think I've gotten better at it because I really love certain, and I was going to say this too, that you'll gravitate towards something that you really enjoy doing. And so I've also noticed that I've been on this now on several of the sites for some time, and some of them are not as effective when you come to reaching people. And there's some that you just really have these wonderful connections. And so I'm sort of changing my, the strategy or um, where I want to focus my time uh, versus just sort of being everywhere because I can't be everywhere. I just can't. That's, and get any writing done. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's that's super advice. So, so in your opinion, what what are the best places for you that you're focusing on when it comes to social media, rather than trying to be everywhere? I can't be everywhere. I love Instagram. I've been I've been on Facebook for probably four years, and I really have not had. Uh, I mean, I've got a huge family. I mean, the friends and family size, but I have the author side. I make that. I make sure that that is, you know, separate from each other. Mm-hmm. And I have book pages and stuff. And if there's anything new, I'll post it on there. Mm-hmm. But I find that like, trying to reach other people on it. And I have some groups and stuff like that. And those are fine too. But it's just not been what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, just put your book on there. Everybody will buy it, right? Yeah, no, it doesn't work out. <laughs> Facebook Damn. wants you to pay for ads so anybody will see whatever you posted. That's pretty much the only way to make it work for you anymore. <laughs> and I'm just, it's just not, um, I, I have tried them and sometimes they've worked really well. Mm. And then sometimes they just haven't. It's, I don't know. It's just, I suppose like any kind of advertising, but I really love um, Goodreads. I've been on Goodreads for four years and I've been on it maybe four times in four years, but I really have switched. I have had, you know, watched some podcasts and, you know, talk with other authors and stuff. And they're like, you really, this has been such a, um, for you have over a hundred million readers throughout mm-hmm. the world that you really need to focus on being a reader there, not necessarily uh, the author, but to, to make contacts with people and to get to know people mm-hmm. uh, doing that. And of course, Instagram is so much fun because you can talk with people. I have people I've met around the world, which is so, so cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are in England or like the UK because where all those horses are, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's just so fascinating. But I've been, I'm on Pinterest, everything else, LinkedIn, which is a little bit, if you're like a uh, nonfiction writer, I mean, because it's geared more for business, mm-hmm. I really, I'm going to try to really focus more like on Goodreads and some of the other newer sites. So what mm-hmm. I'm hearing is Goodreads, you, you're focusing on Goodreads, Instagram, and you still, and you love Pinterest. And Pinterest is a good place to be because it's actually its own search engine and, mm-hmm. it, and it, you know, it ranks in Google search. So it's a, it's right. actually a smart place to be posting mm-hmm. things about your book and what you're up to. Uh, I mean, just there's been such a wealth of knowledge and information. It's such a fascinating story about your author journey. I, you know, I wanted to ask, like, what do you wish you had known when you started <laughs> out on your author journey, given that you are now where you are 
you know, rebranding your book series, thinking about continuing on from a trilogy into a, a longer series, having mm -hmm. the publisher that you have, like, what do you wish you had known when, when you started out on this author, author dream? I, when I saw that question, I had to think about it for a while. I'm like, what, how would I have done things differently or what would I have known? I think you really need to be aware of having projections or having, you know, anticipating that certain things are going to happen in a certain time. You really need to get rid of expectations. But really, I also know that I wish I had actually worked on the books sooner. So if you're going to do a series, you should just keep writing and keep working on things rather than getting so hooked up or, you know, so focused on one thing that you really need to be doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, and whether if that's going from, I love writing flash fiction. I've actually won a couple of flash fiction contests. So you have the difference between, uh, you know, a 60,000 word novel in a story to a 750 word complete story. You know, so you have sort of these, these pieces um, are playing off of each other, plus being nonfiction and fiction, just being able to do a lot more instead of just saying, I'm only going to be doing this because it really limits you and you should really continue to stay more open to experiences. That's great advice. So, and I yeah. was going to ask you, actually, my next question was, is there something that your readers would be surprised to learn about you? And you write flash fiction. For, right. for for people who are may not know or are not a hundred percent sure what flash fiction is, can you would you share a little bit about that and what you write and how you how you how you got into that? I I think I just got into it because there was a contest that I wanted to enter. And it's so interesting because when I started out in graduate school, I had a non a creative nonfiction class. Mm -hmm. And she gave us a word limit and it, it taught us about getting things done clean, neatly, to the point in 600 words, 500 words, you know. Uh, and so this was nonfiction. And then when she would give us 800 words, we're like, we we're so used to writing 500, but like 300 words more. And you're like, what can I come up with? I sort of had that training. But then when I started doing fiction in it, I'm like, hmm, this is kind of fun. But you have to be very aware that you have only 750 words and they only want it 750 words or a little less because you, if you go one over, they are not going to accept it. It has to be, they put the limits on, this is what it is. But you have to tell an entire story in 750 words wow. or 500 words or sometimes 250 words, which is actually, and then even some will be like uh, a sentence, you know, you have 10 words, right? You know, write something complete in 10 words. <laughs> so it's, it's actually almost like poetry, I think, mm -hmm. which I'm not good at at all. And I really haven't studied it. I probably really should have challenged myself by taking at least one poetry class just to be exposed to it more than I have been. But their word choices are so incredible and they're so precise. Mm -hmm. But they, you know, you elicit this, these emotions and these, you know, in, you know, your imagination is thinking about what these words are saying. So flash fiction is kind of like that. Instead of having this entire, you know, big book to go through, you have just a couple, you know, three pages or four pages or whatever to get that story down. And it has to be clean, it has to be tight, it has to be strong because otherwise, you know, it's not going to, you know, hold people's attention. So. Wow, that's amazing. So actually working on flash fiction, I can only imagine has strengthened your ability to tell stories just in general, right? Because you have to like really get 
get down to the nitty gritty to, to get the point across. Absolutely. And you, you only have so much time to do it. Uh, if you, it's something that I try to encourage most writers, uh, especially young writers starting out, is to start out with something smaller. You know, start out with a flash fiction piece or poetry or something um, while you're working on a novel, because sometimes you need a distraction from that. And I, when I did the National Novel Writing Month last year, I had a flash fiction piece that I sort of snuck in there because I needed a diversion from just this novel story. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, doing that flash fiction, it was, it was quick. It was fun. I sent it off and it won. And I was like, this is just so much fun. I know it was just great. I'm like, hmm, I should do this more often. But it's a way to get you to sort of recalibrate and to sort of think about how you're wording things. And then that actually then gets reflected in your longer work and or longer pieces that you're doing. So that's cool. Do you write like horse stuff or do you just kind of write what you feel inspired to write at, at the time to kind of mix things up a little bit when you do your flash fiction? It really depends. Well, I do have a short story. It's called Ponytail. It's mm. actually, it, it actually came from, I believe it was a writer's digest magazine when I had a subscription to it where they had the little contests you know, in 750 words, write a story. And they gave the first sentence was, I'm going to disappoint you, but you already know that. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately just saw this pony who was just naughty in a, in a class. And the girl, of course, has had, you know, numerous shows with them where he's, he's this beautiful show pony, but he's not exactly consistent or reliable or honest kind of thing. And so it's, it's told from his perspective. And after editing it and making it even a little bit stronger, I actually submitted it to the Bethlehem Short Story Award mm-hmm. and for an anthology because they wanted animal stories told from the perspective of the animal. You know, the protagonist had to be an animal. And so I sent it in and I actually was a semifinalist. Carrie, you have shared so much information with us and I, mm-hmm. I feel like we could just talk for hours I, and hours. I agree. But right now, like, what are you curious about? What's next? I mean, you're doing a lot. You're winning awards. You're you know, working on your book series, you're writing flash fiction, you're, you're exploring all sorts of different, different things. Talk to us about where you're heading. What's next? What are you thinking? I want to learn French <laughs> as, as odd as this sounds, because I've actually had an idea for uh, an adult historical fiction novel since I was in my first adult um, novel workshop back in graduate school that it's about women and the dark side of art because I have a I have a bachelor's degree in uh, in fine art and it would be about how women weren't allowed to be creative they weren't given credit for it. There's a lot of research and even though I have studied it, it's been years obviously since I have. Um, but women in art is just really fascinating. I've had this idea and I know it has a lot of research and so I have a pile of books for the last couple of years that are. You know, I look at them every so often, but I really need to, you know, this is why I thought Dark Horse would be, you know, the trilogy. And now I can move on to this other book. It'll be dark and sinister and very not middle grade. Uh, (laughs) But it'll also be about learning about the history of women and the struggles they had to be um, painters or to be recognized for their artistic and creative gifts that they've had. Oh, I had an art teacher, a drawing teacher when I was in art school who is the perfect villain. (laughs) (laughs) I love love school. If I could have been a career student, that would have been my career path my entire life, (laughs) along with horses, of course. But he's just perfect because he would stutter when he would start getting agitated with us 
and you know the way his hair was all dark and he would wear these black clothes you know but the typical artist but when he would start stuttering and getting so wound up he starts speaking fluent french oh. i mean it was so fluent and so it, somehow or another he will i don't know that's just something that i wanted you know to look into as i'm reading about this because also france was very depending on the time period i'm pretty sure it's going to be victorian period but it'll be american but france is still a very important part of the art world at that time and mm-hmm. so I don't know, it's going to be, I have all these ideas for it and I've been writing them down, but I haven't started it. So um, I really would need to, I was hoping to get, you know, the, the trilogy done this year, you know, Dark Horse is done. And then next year start doing, uh, working on this other one. But I have a feeling I'm going to have to do both maybe at the same time, move on from book four and then try to do this other one at the same time. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I I literally have goosebumps hearing you describe like how excited and and like mm. fired up about that project about women in art and the France element and all of that. I think I definitely I think you should to run with it. And what I love about what you just shared there is that you don't have to just write horse books, guys. Like mm-hmm. you can write what what you what's like passionate for you. I mean, what many of us and you're writing cross genre, you're writing all over the mm. place, like all sorts mm-hmm. of different things. And, you know, carry something to consider is if this book is, if your muse is saying, go that way, go that way, you know, complete mm-hmm. your trilogy, let it hang out for a minute. You can always come back to it. But like, mm-hmm. I strongly believe in if there's this pull towards something creative, you got to go that way, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, and maybe you can do both. I don't, I'm not sure how, like how you write. Some writers can only, you know, work on one project at a time. Others can write differently but I can write a couple of different things yeah yeah so it's perfect <laughs> for switch gears. Mm. yeah so you can do both but you know mm. I certainly hear how fired up you are and I I can't wait to learn more about that project as you as you yeah. get it going and in the meantime would you share with listeners where they can find you and your books online read off my list here <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Starting out, I have my website, you know, I, as I said before, that it's just been redone. It's just clean. It's, it's perfect. You have a beautiful landing spot. I actually have horse quotes and some photographs um, that I will change out probably maybe once a month or so, but I'll definitely, you have the books right there. You can read more and you will actually then instead of trying to find it on my old website, you have to go to the blog and all this stuff. It, you just go, uh, you want to read more, uh, you'll then come to the book page for either Mystery Horse, Gray Horse, or Dark Horse. I even have the first chapter of Dark Horse on there. That's nice. So you can have a couple of reviews, and then you actually have a chapter. I you know, include that for each of the books, and I will change those. I, it won't just be static without, of course, spoiling things. So so I have this, the new website, which is you know, carrielucasavitz.com, and um, then you have my publisher, who is Henschel House mm-hmm. uh, Books. Um, so you can get the books there. So I'm on Amazon. I'm also on Amazon Central. So you can find out more about all sorts of things that I've written on there. I have three stores here. One is Faith and Giggles Gift Shop, which is right here in town in Hartford. They're great, wonderful people. They love local artists and authors. Support our local businesses, right? It's Absolutely. Fun. Yeah. And then All in Books, which is in West Bend, which is about 20 minutes from here. Again, it's a small um, Main Street store. Um, she's got a ton of stuff. And then Martha Merrill Books, mm. which is in Waukesha, which is probably maybe a half an hour from here, but they will have it. And I'll have a couple of author things coming up. Mm. And so here's my list of everything online. Uh, definitely Goodreads, Instagram, 
Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn. I'm on Books for Horse Lovers. I have just middle grade is what it is. And they only have just middle grade books. The Society of Children's Books Writers and Illustrators.org. They are now actually running a book stop where you can go and all their authors from around the world all have these beautiful book pages. So you can go and learn about their work. Um, Illustrators as well. Then I have the Wisconsin Writers Association. Um, I actually do book reviews. I have been doing book reviews for Story Monsters, Inc. for all their juvenile uh, fiction. And um, then I've also been doing it for the Wisconsin Writers Association, where they'll be like, hey, Carrie, can you read this book? And, you know, will you do reviews? And I love doing it and helping out other authors mm. who doesn't need a review, right? Cool. And then hopefully... Well, definitely, as I said before, I'd love to go to horse shows. Eventually, mm-hmm. that uh, would be fun. But then um, also libraries. I, I donate a portion of the sales of the books to the Washington County and the Wisconsin County or the Wisconsin Humane Societies for the animals. But I also uh, make sure that the Midwest Horse Welfare Foundation, they actually rescue horses um, in Wisconsin and Pittsville. They are just fabulous people I donate to them and if I don't have a lot of book sales I donate anyway <laughs> just because I'm so passionate about animal welfare and stuff and um, it's just important to me that um, you know we contribute to their welfare as well because they give us such gifts right you know? absolutely yeah so absolutely. thank you for doing that what a lovely what a lovely contribution to make from the books that you produce well you are rocking and rolling and you're up mm. to so many things and you you've got a lot of things going and i will of course link to all those places in your show notes sure. so listeners can get directly to you and your books but Carrie, thank you so much for the gift of your time. And thank you for rearranging your schedule so we could make sure that our that our conversation was was uninterrupted and solid on a solid network. But this yeah. has been such a lovely uh, conversation. And, and thank you for the gift of your time. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I've just had a great time. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.